Welcome to Legal News and Review, recipient of the Florida Bar Award of Excellence. Legal News and Review, the only real problem solver radio program using the law. With your moderator, Philip Bell, and hosts and legal panel attorney, Gary Singer, chair of the Broward County Bar Association's Real Property Section. Gary Singer is board certified in real estate law and a syndicated columnist from the Sun Sentinel. He is an expert in his field of practice. Now, here's your moderator, Philip Bell. On the docket for today's broadcast, it's been three years since Governor Rick Scott signed into law the Collaborative Law Process Act, and this recognizes and established requirements for the use of collaborative law in a divorce. It's a legal process enabling couples who have decided to separate or end their marriage to work with their attorneys together. And today, from Evan H. Barron & Associates is founder Evan Barron, who's been practicing family law for 30 years and is the founder of the Western Bar in Florida and also recognized adjunct professor teaching family law at the university level for over 20 years now. Also from Evan H. Barron Associates is Fernanda Pedreso. Did I do that right? Somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wrong. Someone's going to do a shot on me. My <laughs> listeners know that. Fernanda, how do you pronounce your last name? Pedroso. Pedroso. Got he hasn't it. got my last name yet. <laughs> I did it right the first time. Well, first, I'd like to welcome the legal panelists. Gary Singer will be back next week, but Eric Yankwit, good afternoon. You got it right this time. Well, good for you, Phil. It's written out. Oh, it's spelled out for you That's phonetically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to welcome our listeners on 96.9 FM, 103.9 FM, along with 740 AM, and our national listeners on iHeart, TuneIn, and iRadio Now apps. Keep those emails coming. Good afternoon and welcome. Also, you could see the production live. Just go to Facebook, Legal News and Review. All you need to do is Google that, and you can actually watch the production and also past productions. And don't forget about our podcast. It's on eight different podcast sites. Just Google Legal News and Review podcast. We come right up. Today, we're producing at the Kelly Ustall Building in their very own mock courtroom. You talk about resources. If you've been severely injured from a negligence of someone else, you should have your rights protected. Just go to justiceforall.com. That's justiceforall.com. Now, from the law offices of Evan H. Barron & Associates is founder Evan Barron and his associate, Fernanda Pedreso. There Welcome. You go. Good afternoon. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, Evan, people might have heard of collaborative law, collaborative divorce. I mean, T. Boo Pickens was in the news saying it, it saved him millions, and he liked the fact of non-disclosure because it's not public information. But for our audience, what is collaborative law, collaborative divorce? It's a process to have couples that are going through a divorce, or <clears throat> actually doesn't even have to be a divorce. It could be a paternity action. It could even be a modification post-judgment. But it's a process where the parties work together as a team as opposed to fighting one another as enemies of each other. And the goal is to get the, the case resolved amicably mm -hmm. and in a way that both parties feel that they've achieved some type of peace, that they can go on with their lives and, and hopefully not be enemies going forward. It's been around, it began in 1990. I believe it was Minnesota that it actually came from. That's my understanding, yes. Yeah, I thought it was California, you know. Yeah. 
and, you know, they're very progressive in California. But uh, how does it differ from uh, mediation? Well, media mediation is, is, is a one-time situation, and you still have, in most instances, instances, you have a situation where the, the case is filed. It's Mr. Smith <coughs> versus Mrs. Smith, and you go through all the, the pleadings in court, all the required discovery, and then you finally go to a mediator and try to work it out. But you're still working Mr. Smith versus Mrs. Smith. In this particular instance where we have collaborative, we don't have that. We don't have versus anybody. It's a team concept. And it's, it takes somewhere between, usually anywhere from three to five sessions, meetings, with all the professionals that get together and try to resolve the case. I don't know if you want to follow up. Um, a, a succinct way of uh, describing the differences between the two is that a mediation is an event versus the collaborative situation is more of a process. So once you're in a mediation, you like Evan mentioned, you already started litigation. You already uh, have pleadings that have been filed. The parties have exchanged discovery. And they, uh, more often than not, have not been communicating. They have already been in an adversarial uh, position. And so when they get to the mediation, it's this event that they've been um, essentially working towards and their emotions are really high. They're very uh, anxious about it because it's the first time that they'll be, even if they're not in the same room, uh, it's going to be, it, it's almost perceived as this showdown uh, of what's going to happen on this day. Are they going to resolve or are they going to end up going to uh, litigation and a final hearing, a, tr a trial? When they are in the collaborative process, it's that that situation is diffused because they're not anticipating this one event when they're going to be meeting, sitting in the same room for the very first time. The entire process is that, so they're not looking at it in the same way that they would had they just gone to that mediation and in anticipation of that one event. Um, the process is more uh, conducive to them not being nervous about it, not being anxious about it, because every meeting has an agenda, but every meeting is the same thing. It's the team. Um, you, you follow what the agenda says, and they don't have to worry about what's this going to be like? Am I going to encounter something that's different? They're, you know, they're comfortable with that experience already. And so they're really just focusing on what are they trying to resolve that particular meeting and that particular agenda. And in the mediation, the party's generally not in the same room. Most of the time, it's a, the party plus her, her or his attorney and then the, the party and the other attorneys in the other room, and the mediator goes back and forth. In, in a collaborative setting, you're all together. And one of the things I, I've been thinking about since we discussed, you know, we're going to talk about this, right. is, you know, a lot of times what causes the litigation or causes the fighting is, is, is people don't talk. It's amazing how many times if the two parties just sat down and, and talked about some of the issues, it could get solved a lot faster. And what happens is that when you start litigation, it becomes who's going to win as opposed to getting together and trying to resolve the issues. And it's also a time in collaborative where they listen to one another. You don't get that opportunity in litigation. There's no listening to one another. It's just constant battle. And so this is a much simpler way and uh, an easy way to, to listen to the other party because a lot of times the other party has a position that if the other, you know, one party listens to it, they'll understand that it's not just because they're trying to get the better of that person. They really have an issue that they need to talk about. Just like they hopefully did when they were actually happily married. Right. 
They sat down and they discussed things. Right. It right. shouldn't be any different. Fernando, what about the silent victims, the children? I have friends who got divorced, and one of my good friends was talking about his child as if it was his favorite putter, you know, his prized possession. But uh, it does damage to them to have that. So why, how does this help the children in a divorce? Um, I think that in a collaborative setting, you're able to um, focus on the children right. more than when you are in an adversarial setting. Um, being in a collaborative setting allows the parents to, with the help of professionals and a mental health professional that's involved uh, as a facilitator, it allows the parents to really use the children to be a compass. More often than not, when you're in an adversarial setting, what parents, th the way that parents perceive the case is that, well, either I'm going to win or I'm going to lose. And having that positional stance is always going to negatively affect the children because the children, there aren't two, if there are two of them, there's only one of each. So you can't, you can't stretch Armstrong children. Huh. Uh, and so when you're in a collaborative setting and the parents are looking at it from what's in the best interest of the children and they have usually three or four other adults that are there to kind of help them navigate through that, they allow them to see what should be the focal point. Mm -hmm. And it allows them to see that the children should be the compass. And if you focus on it in that way, then you stop thinking about, well, am I winning or is she winning or is my husband winning? You're looking at it as, are the children gonna be better off with this decision that's mutual? And, and that setting allows them to reach mutual decisions. So the children are part of the process then? They're not part of the process. Uh, just like in litigation, children, it's, not, it's never in the best interest that the children are involved. Mm -hmm. But um, all humans, when they're going through something, especially something like litigation, if they are upset at an outcome of a particular hearing or upset with something that was agreed to that they would not have wanted to agree to, they're going to represent that and, and they're going to verbalize that and they're going to exhibit that in front of the children. When parents go through the collaborative uh, process, it, it seems like they're more in tune with what is going on and what they're um, agreeing to. Mm -hmm. And so the child does not experience the negative effects that the adult would experience if they were handling this in litigation. So I'm sorry. I'm thinking about what kind of client would be more advantageous to take a part of a collaborative process versus a litigation process. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's not for everybody. Uh, well, it depends how many issues there are <coughs> in the case. I mean, obviously, someone who has children, if they're the issues, I think collaborative works better for them. Also, you know, people with a lot of assets, that also could be something... Uh, because we'll, we'll bring in a, a neutral financial expert to be able to review everything. And again, it's not about winning or losing. It's just about trying to have both parties walk away and feel that they've accomplished something and, and have resolved this case to, to everybody's best interest. Now, as a traditional attorney who's practiced family law, traditional type of style of divorce, if I came to you, one of my first questions would be, how much? How much is this going to cost me? That's the big problem because you don't know what the other side's going to pull on you. You're going to have to go to court to get documents. The transparency isn't there when you began practicing, you know, to, to now. Correct. But with collaborative, uh, is it a fixed cost pretty much? It can be either a fixed cost or it could also be on an hourly basis just like a traditional divorce. It really depends on the case. 
Um, it, it's becoming more common to have fixed costs lately. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good idea because, like you said, people come in there and they don't want to necessarily feel they're giving me a blank check. Right. They want to know that there's going to be an end to the, the process because a lot of them feel that, well, why would you want to end it quickly? You're going to make more money if this thing continues. It's obviously not our goal. Is to Our goal is to help the clients. So sometimes as long as they know that this is what it's going to cost me, that they'd rather do it on a fixed rate. The problem is we don't want them to have a fixed rate and think that this is going to go on forever. Right. And so you've got to balance the two. Right, right. You know, divorce is not easy. It, it absolutely is not. And there's a trend right now called the gray divorce or silver divorce. Those have been married 20 years. Kids are out of the picture. Uh, they're like roommates. But there's a lot of assets. There's retirement funds and so forth. To me, this would be a good alternative to traditional divorce because there's not really animosity. You know, there's nobody cheating on anybody. Nothing I'm aware of from that standpoint as well. But when it comes to collaborative law, there aren't a lot of attorneys still practicing it here in the United States. Na internationally, there's over 22,000 that are qualified to practice it. And you have to go to a qualified attorney. Is that correct? We go through training. It's, it's not recognized yet as, uh, you know, through the Florida Bar. There, you can't be considered an expert as of yet. But I believe that process is, is going forward to try and get somebody to be classified as one. Now, if you start off as the, uh, in the collaborative process <clears throat> and then say it doesn't work out and you need a, to go all the way to trial, can you still stay with the same attorney or do you need to switch attorneys? Do you need to new, hire a new, new attorney? The, the attorney who is in the collaborative process, if it breaks down, <clears throat> and th the odds are it's not going to break down. There's a very, very high success rate in the collaborative process. But assuming that it would... No, the attorney has to get off the case. Uh, we cannot continue on the case in litigation. So there's incentive for all parties. I mean, you always want what's best for everybody, but there's still your own private incentive is to resolve things. Right. How is alimony or timesharing decided within the process? No different than it would be in a in regular litigated case. It's a matter of uh, trying to determine what the parties will, will agree to. Uh, again, you don't have the courts looking over your shoulder. That's a very important aspect of this, so that the parties don't feel rushed, they don't have to meet certain deadlines, um, and they could feel more comfortable with trying to work it out at their, their pace. And that's, that, to me, that's a very big deal. People get very sh stressed out about court, get very stressed out about time limits. It's a stressful place, let Abs me tell you. Absolutely. You know, it absolutely is. Well, sometimes I imagine that you have a party that's dragging their feet. I'm just being devil's advocate for a moment. They're dragging their feet uh, for whatever reason. Either they are fearful of the divorce or the process, or they need to time to hide their assets or whatever's going on, <laughs> right? So they, uh, in the collaborative process, since there isn't that deadline, how do, you, how do you police that? Well, there's a participation agreement, and within that participation agreement, they do discuss... Um, 
certain things that the parties are or, or the participants are in agreement that they will be compliant with. Um, everyone is supposed to engage in good faith and no one is supposed to do what, what you're insinuating that someone would try to do. Right. In litigation, it, it happens more often than not. In the collaborative process, you're all kind of signing on to this agreement that you're not going to do that. Um, that you're understanding that this is the best way for your family to uh, resolve the circumstances that are at issue and you're trying to do it in the best way possible and that would be against that if you were to try and either hide assets or prolong the situation. Um, obviously, everyone has schedules. Everyone has you know things that come up. So at the end of every team meeting, you do schedule the next, uh, the next team meeting and everyone pulls out their calendars. They figure out what date and time is appropriate and usually the parties do stick to that. I imagine that life after divorce, when it's done in a collaborative method, it's not that you're friends, but you're friendly. You're working partners still. So you have something that you have a base to work on and you're not um, arguing over every little thing later. Where it was some adversarial position before, in the traditional sense, is still always keeping their eye on the ball. I can take you to court. Do you find that happening? Absolutely. Especially if there's children involved, you don't want to walk away as enemies because life goes on. Just because the court loses, loses jurisdiction when they're 18 or graduates, there's still a whole lifetime ahead, right. and there's going to be graduations, weddings, and, and uh, grandchildren, and you want to leave in an, you know, not being enemies to one another. If Especially you, if they're going to be teenagers. Uh, you know, if it's going to be you against your spouse. Uh, they'll be manipulated. The teenagers, the teenagers know, know one thing. They know how to manipulate their parents. It's their one job, and they're very good at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with pressure that they have, you know. And, and so if you go through the collaborative process and you don't leave as, as enemies, you can co-parent better. And if you co-parent, right. you're not going to be able to be as manipulated as, as if you are plotting one against the other. I think that's a great point. If uh, the parties reach an agreement through collaborative law, what happens next? Uh, well, you would uh, sign the marital settlement agreement. It, it is confidential. And uh, you could either submit a document that states that the parties have entered into an agreement, or if the parties are okay with it, that can be filed with the court as well. Um, usually, if you're in a collaborative process, there's instances where the participants had already filed uh, pleadings. Mm -hmm. You can then convert it into a collaborative case. Uh, other instances, they had never filed anything at all, and so you're starting from scratch. Uh, if that's the case, then all the pleadings that are necessary to be filed would be filed. Um, they would be simple versions of the pleadings because everything that needed to be resolved has been resolved. And so you would prepare the petition, the simple answer. Uh, if financial affidavits are necessary, then we prepare that as well. Um, if there's a possibility of waiving that, we do so. And then you submit the parenting plan and the marital settlement agreement to the court. And it's filed the exact same way that it would be in a traditional litigation. Is it true your dirty laundry is not public record? That people are, conf you know, what's, what's like Vegas, what says here stays here? Yeah, it is yeah. possible to keep it confidential. If well, that, that really is a shame. I love reading all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, people understand the process, right? They After you explain to them, they understand the process. But after the divorce, there seems from time to time to make adjustments to uh, agreements. Is that taken away from, uh, you know, or, or is that just traditional? You don't lose any of your rights going forward just because 
You went through a collaborative process. Uh, it's still a final divorce, and all the laws that pertain to any post-judgment matters, modifications, contempt, things of that nature, they're still on the table. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's still there. And even if it does happen, sometimes those modifications are amicable. It's not always the case that a modification is occurring because there's been a breakdown in the communication. Things could have changed, and the participants can go back to a collaborative setting and reach a resolution to that new circumstance and do the exact same thing and submit that update to the court. If uh, it doesn't work out and I have to get another attorney, and you're my attorney, uh, will you work with the, can you work with the other attorney? That, I believe, would be unethical because part of the reason is, is that when we're all meeting, the confidentiality uh. that takes place in this meeting, we're all, both attorneys and all the clients. So once we pull away, we're really not supposed to get involved. Now, there is a way to sign a waiver that documentation can be provided to the other attorney. But as far as discussions about what may have taken place in this meeting, I don't think that would be possible, and I don't think it would be right. You're one of the few attorneys that still give free, free uh, advice, if you will. Um, and I think that's because of the nature of yourself, consultation fee. Now it seems uh, more the norm than not. I speak to a lot of attorneys. So from that standpoint, I mean, what do I do if I want to use collaborative law? You call my office, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and we sit down, and, and I explain to you the various options that are available to you if you're going through a divorce, and of course, one of the ones that I would explain is the collaborative process. I do that when people come in now. It's part of our regular consultation. You could do it this way, this way, or this way, and we, we promote the collaborative method because we feel that's best for everyone. I, I, I truly believe this is the future of family law. Does the wife or the husband or the couple have to be there when, they, when, when someone calls you? Do you bring both of them oh, to no, your office? Oh, no, never. No, okay. we only represent one party, never both. So if the husband calls you and gets educated on this, likes the whole process, knows they could save him money as well and, and not be exposed to all the dirty laundry when, uh, to the marriage, how does he convince the other partner? What, 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 what happens then? That, that's, to me, that has been the most difficult process, getting the other side to agree to the collaborative process. Because, first of all, oftentimes, if uh, I meet with the wife and the wife goes and talks to the husband, right. if she's suggesting it, he's automatically going to say no because somehow it probably benefits her. I mean, that's the mindset oftentimes. So we do try to get the other side to be educated about it. We, we send out a letter. We even at times have given a list of attorneys that practice collaborative so that that person can talk to someone and understand that we're not trying to get the better of him. What we're trying to do is, is get them together to do what's best for both of them and if there's any children involved. That's truly the style of practice of what law should be, a problem solver. Because that's what you are. You're a problem solver. People come to your problems all day long, not just your family. <laughs> <laughs> the solving part is the hard part. So. That, that is. That is. And you've been practicing for 30 years. And so in family law, uh, how did you hear about this? When did this first come out to you? Two or three years ago. I, I think just yeah. from conversations with other attorneys that had been practicing it. And then uh, we just got more involved. We both went for training. 
Um, we've been to, uh, they had a uh, conference down in Miami last year we went to, and it's something that I felt was uh, not, not only to my benefit, but to my client's benefit. It's um, such an interesting part of law for me. I, I find it fascinating. But how's the best way to reach you? Best way to reach me is to contact my office. is Evan H. Barron. My office is in Weston. We handle cases in Broward, in, in Dade, in Palm Beach. Uh, the number is 954-385-9160. And we can be found at www.lawatdivorcebroward.com. So it's, it's divorcebroward.com? Yes. That's so easy. That's so easy to remember. That's why we have it. Before you came, I Googled your name, Evan H. Barron, Family Law. You come right up. And there's a, you know, a lot of good stuff about you there. You know, I, I've got a, a thick file here. Most it's of it's all good. Most of it's true. Yeah. <laughs> As well. You know, Eric, it goes by so fast. It does. You know, there's some it's more questions I want to have answered here. And, you know, people have to understand that there is an alternative to uh, uh, controversial, uh, contra- conservation, <laughs> excuse me. Easy for you to say. Yeah, I know. Um, process. Because the traditional divorce process is pretty much open season on everybody, you know. And I hate to say it, there are some attorneys out there that will take a client on just, you know, and feed them up. Oh, let's get her, you know, or let's get him, things like that. It's unfortunate. So, you know, it's part of, part of uh, but that would never happen with collaborative law. No. Right. It's the exact opposite. So as an attorney, for other attorneys listening, it's less a wear and tear on you, isn't it, compared to traditional divorce? Absolutely. It's like I said. It's it's best for the attorney, and it's certainly best for the client. Um, you know, litigation is stressful, yep. even if you're practicing thirty years. It's it's still litigation. It's still going to court. Well, I want our audience to know. As far as I'm concerned, you are a lawyer's lawyer from opening up the Weston Bar, and it's still going strong. Correct? Yes. As well as an as a professor for twenty years, you, you teach uh, attorneys. Well, I I teach, actually, the legal assistance paralegal program. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Those are are the ones who really do the work. Correct. In any law firm, the paralegals. Well, again, it it goes by too fast. And those listening, because it is drive time, put down the cell phone. You know, Mm. don't text and drive. The life you may save might be mine. (laughs) You know? And remember, be legal. You've been listening to the award-winning Legal News and Review, recognized by the Florida Bar's Award of Excellence. To contact the legal panel hosts and guests, go to BeLegalBuzz.com. And to reach Gary Singer, board-certified real estate and syndicated columnist, appearing in 400 media outlets, including the front page of the Money Section every Monday in the Sun Sentinel, from the law firm of Gary M. Singer, PA, call 954-851-1448. For legal news and review, remember, be legal.